0: Hi, this is Jill Harrison, Executive Director of the National Institute on Aging Impact Collaboratory at Brown University. Welcome to the Impact Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. We're here to give you some extra time with our speakers and ask them the interesting questions that you want to hear most. If you haven't already, we hope you'll watch the full Grand Rounds webinar recording to learn more. All of the companion Grand Rounds content can be found at impactcollaboratory.org. Thanks for joining Good
1: afternoon, everyone. Um, It's my pleasure to, um, on the part of the Impact Collaboratory, to be recording this uh, podcast. We had a fabulous grand rounds yesterday from our health equity team, and today I'm talking to um, Anna Quinones, who leads our health equity team, who's an associate professor in Department of Family Medicine at OHSU. And uh, Jonathan Jackson, who is an instructor in medicine and neurology at um, Mass General Hospital, where he directs the Community Access, Recruitment, and Engagement uh, Research Center. So thank you both for being here. So um, Anna and Jonathan, there's been so much work done in the last 8 to 10 years to advance the methodology of uh, pragmatic trials. And at the same time, there's been a lot of work done around health equity in the conduct of traditional randomized trials. But in fact, the intersection of the two, there's been almost no work done in terms of applying principles of health equity to the conduct of um, pragmatic trials. Jonathan, why do you think this is? Why do you think there's been this gap?
2: Uh, Goodness, that is a great question. Uh, You know, I I can't say for sure, um, but I I think it's because um, health equity and uh, trying to operationalize health equity uh, is an ongoing challenge. Um, It's one of those things where we hope we're doing the best we can, but in the absence of uh, really robust, rigorous methods um, or measures, it's it's too it's too difficult, um, and uh, given that pragmatic trials have really been coming into their own, uh, I think that uh, you know there were some people who assumed uh, that pragmatic designs uh, effectively solved the problem, um, you know that that uh, might be addressed through health equity, and others um, may not just uh, have had the tools. So I think it has probably felt like a like a bit of a challenge. Uh, without a clear set of solutions. Uh, so I think both of those things probably played a, a big role.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point you make. When I once uh, brought this topic up, um, someone says, well, this, it's not an issue in pragmatic trials because you're, you're applying the intervention to the whole population. We're not having ele- any eligibility criteria. But I think that um, clearly that's uh, way far too simplistic and erroneous.
0: Yeah. And if I could yes, add, very much. add to that just for a, a second, I actually wonder how well we are doing in an, an efficacy space. So in, in any design specifically around Alzheimer's disease and related dementias, I think it might be also an issue of lack of clear methods and understanding of how to do this well and that translating down into the effectiveness world into the pragmatic world as well and i think jonathan made these points really clearly in the in the grand rounds yesterday
1: yeah it certainly did but anna in the rounds yesterday I, I really uh i really liked the way you went through each oppressive two domain and tried to highlight aspects of those domains that lend itself to deeper thinking on uh, applying um, issues related to health equity, you also concluded that just using the press 2 is probably an oversimplification of the issues. Um, that said, there's a lot of things to consider in the design of these trials, and I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask if you could think of maybe the top three challenges uh, in terms of health equity or maybe even the top three domains or challenges within the do- domains um, if you're a, an investigator trying to design one of these trials and, and really deeply consider issues, health of equity, um, what do you think are the, the top three challenges?
0: That's a great question. I don't know if I could possibly rank order them in top three in terms of importance without further understanding how these ramifications play out and magnify Um, I I would say that I think the challenges with understanding your recruitment process, your enrollment process, some of the things that we discussed at the Grand Rounds yesterday in um, where in pragmatic trials they may be obscured. So we may not really understand the processes that are involved with um, because of the randomization level being at a um, healthcare system or at a clinic site within healthcare systems not really understanding what that process looks like, a little bit of a black box, in terms of getting patients into your trials and getting patients, um, uh, evaluating those patients through those trials. I think that that's, that's really kind of disambiguating that that process and understanding those pieces. Um, I think in the, pragmatic, in the pragmatic space or the pragmatic context might be the most important thing to, to think about or one of the most important things to think about and really work through the exercise. Of um, carefully considering health equity and as Jonathan made this point at Grand Rounds yesterday you know thinking about this not just in terms of health disparity populations but really thinking about this in terms of, of doing really good science and thinking about the threats to Um, To validity and and the threats to the study design that may be specific to health equity populations or health equity considerations, but really what's involved here is is doing really great science. So the enrollment concerns, um, having some due diligence there and understanding who your population is, where it comes from, how it enters into your study, how you're analyzing that, um, thinking about how patients are ultimately being offered these interventions, and then carrying it all the way. Down the line, in thinking about um, the analyses that we're doing, the primary outcomes that we're identifying, all of these have important health equity considerations, and all of these have implement implications for how we ultimately determine what's effective and what isn't.
1: Yeah, those are great points. You know, sometimes I um, I get the feeling people almost throw their hands up here and think, you know, there's so many so much stuff I've got to consider in designing my trial. I in, that. It can't possibly think of everything. But what you're re- really saying or describing is a quite a paradigm shift, I think, and an important one in trying to really just embed this in good science. Jonathan, you uh, described a really interesting method uh, yesterday for, and I you had a name for it that I can't quite remember, but uh, in that allowed an investigator to get a better handle on the demographic, socioeconomic and... Um, ethnic profiles of a certain air catchment area for a region they may study or consider studying. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and if uh, somebody wanted to access this tool or use it, um, how they might do so?
2: Yeah, so uh, I believe you're referring to the floating catchment area uh, family of, of metrics. Um, so there's a, a lot of different flavors of, of, of FCA or floating catchment area, and then there's Um, you know, multiple corrections and, um, uh, uh, I guess, families of of analyses for it. Um, But uh, in in brief, what a floating catchment area allows you to do is to really precisely define uh, the individuals who are using um, any kind of service. So uh, this is a tool that is primarily used in healthcare settings to look at actual utilization rates rather than theoretical utilization rates. And usually, those uh, utilization rates are pinned to a specific zip code or a specific county. Uh, so you can look at uh, who has been using a service um, in the United States. Uh, the way that floating catchment areas are often used are to really differentiate, um, you know, two kinds of health systems uh, that may exist in America. So uh, one is a, 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 a health system. Uh, where most of the people who utilize the service are within a small um, geographical region. And then another kind uh, tends to serve uh, more suburban or uh, rural populations where uh, the utilization is much more diffuse over a large geographic area. Uh, So you can add a lot of bells and whistles, different kind of distance decay functions, uh, different sorts of corrections and methods. Um, But it's a really great way of understanding uh, who's actually able to use a particular healthcare system. So, if you have, um, you know, a, a wide swath of individuals within a geographical region, and then one dark spot where maybe no one is able to use a, a, a or no one is going to a particular healthcare system, uh, then that's a bit of a red flag. Um, you can also uh, stratify floating catchment metrics uh, for uh, demographics. So, uh, in um, one classic example, uh, Bessonet and colleagues. Uh, looked at languages spoken uh, in a suburb of Canada, a suburb of Toronto in Canada, uh, and uh, found that the floating catchment metrics uh, were different depending on what language uh, physicians spoke. So that was a a really great uh, way of illustrating how um, even thinking about theoretical distribution of who's able to access a particular healthcare system uh, can be stratified uh, by race um, by language spoken, by any of these aspects of health equity that we often consider. Um, so usually there's a, there's a really great robust literature on how to uh, implement a floating catchment area. The the formulas are actually not so complicated. Um, maybe if there are show notes associated with this podcast, I'll put in um, one of my favorite papers, uh, Delamater et al. 2019, uh, which gives you the, the formulas right in the paper. Um, and then in terms of receiving the data, usually most... Um, uh, departments of health at the state level uh, will have information on utilization rates, and uh, those can be obtained either for a small cost uh, or sometimes for free, depending on the state.
1: Huh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, as you know, one of the main activities of the Impact Collaboratory over the next five years is going to be funding um, small pilot studies to p- prepare for a full scale EPCT. Um, we're asking, we're still trying to work out within ourselves what an ideal pilot study is, but um, already we're running into a lot of um, competing important, what people perceive as competing important aspects. It could be stakeholder engagement. um, It could be collecting an outcome pragmatically. Um, There's probably a dozen things. Um, And I wonder if you could maybe give some tips on how someone who, an applicant who might be thinking of putting in a pilot study, how they begin to integrate this into their small pilot, and then what the health equity team um, can offer in terms of helping um, applicants uh, design their study and also conduct their study.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the health equity team, so again, as we discussed yesterday at the Grand Rounds, I think a lot of the, the the novel and the forward-thinking ways in which we're approaching this work is how to improve the science, really, and how to try to make this as inclusive, as generalizable, as applicable, as possible to all Americans with dementia, not just a select few that, that happen to um, be studied more often or happen to... Um, be pinged more often. Um, one of the strengths that we have as a team and, and one of the things that we think about often is our charge and our responsibility and our interest in really integrating very closely and very tightly with all of the other working groups and the other team in the collaboratory. so in a lot of ways I don't really think about this <clears throat> in terms of competing priorities but how can we best align and how can we best coordinate? I think a lot of um, the working groups and a lot of and the other team have very valid points points. points about what's important and what needs to be considered, but ultimately we're all interested in uh, improving the nation's portfolio of forward-thinking science and of important science with regard to this important disease. Um, We do have some great expertise in the collaboratory and specifically in the health equity team to help the pilot applicants and the pilot grantees in thinking through their projects. So some of the things that we have been talking about and that we provide consultancy services for applicants and for the pilot awardees is around um, some of the themes that we talked about yesterday at the grand rounds. So doing a lot of that upfront work that maybe gets subsumed or gets buried or doesn't get prioritized as much as it should. Um, thinking about how to engage with particular populations that often get disincluded or disenfranchised in the research process how to best do that, how to best garner trust and cooperation, how to best work with and get that stakeholder engagement so we can be better informed about outcomes that are important to a variety of of patient population groups, how to think about some of the issues that Jonathan raised and that Jonathan and I raised at the Grand Rounds in thinking about these multiple levels that are occurring as well. It's not just about the patients. It's not just about the healthcare systems or the clinic sites, but also thinking about um, potentially the, the clinics that are delivering those interventions and how these interrelated levels influence and affect across multiple domains of putting up and setting up a study from beginning to end. So we can offer some consultancy services around specific things, such as cultural competency, um, maybe training and resources, and providing guidance to make sure that pilots are aware, first of all, of that upfront work that needs to happen, and second of all, kind of informing them and going through and putting together these, these larger demonstration projects, all of the work and all of the resources that are really involved in conducting and doing good science.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Well, we all are certainly looking forward to um, the work that will be emanating from the health equity team to move this field forward in a much-needed way, and for um, your expertise in um, helping our pilot applicants and career development awardees um, um, make their science more rigorous um, by um, intertwining health equity from every stage of the uh, scientific process. So. I want to thank you both very much. Um, Stay well and um, look forward to
0: more. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us.
1: Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to today's Impact Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. Please be on the lookout for our next Grand Rounds and podcast next month.